everyone to another episode of the UW Film Club podcast where each week we invite a member of the club onto the show to talk about a movie of their choosing. That movie could be good, bad, topically relevant, or anything in between. Uh, this week, uh, you know, we don't have a member. It's just me and Louie yep, writing a duo. Just us two. We wanted to get someone for this uh, Die Hard episode, but... No interest. No Thanks interest. for nothing. Thanks for nothing. This is the Christmas episode, the Christmas Eve episode. Yes. By the time because you, it's set Christmas Eve Die yes. By the time you're hearing this, this is December 24th, 2018, yeah. or you should be hearing this, uh, and we are releasing on Christmas Eve, and mm-hmm. as such, the only thing you can do is play Die Hard. Yeah. You should watch that. It's just the best Christmas Eve film, to be honest. Uh... This recent poll from Die Hard. Hold on. Let me get this up here. This week on Twitter, someone yes. had shared with me a poll um, about Die Hard being a Christmas movie or not. Yeah. And, and the outcome was people said no. Well, they don't According- know. Okay, so here's the thing. It's either people who didn't watch a movie and they said no, or people who did watch a movie and they said yes. I almost feel like there's a... You know, there's a there's a section of people who did watch the movie and don't think it's a Christmas film. Uh, according to Mental Floss, which is a website that likes dealing in like random factoids and stuff like that, sixty two percent of people say Die Hard is not a Christmas movie, and sixty two percent of people are also uh, insane, according to uh, uh, that poll. Uh, I don't see how. I mean, like it's fine. It, it's an action movie first, whatever. <laughs> Do whatever, say whatever you want, but it is uh, a Christmas movie through and through. It's kind of like uh, next week you guys will hear a podcast about uh, while you're sleeping. Okay, fine. It's not a Christmas movie, but it's like set around Christmas. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although that's supposed to be our New Year's film, but either way, uh, Die Hard is uh, an action film uh, and a Christmas movie starring a, a young, but not young enough. Bruce Willis. This was made in uh, 1988, so he yeah. still has hair. He still has hair. That's that's the metric for. It's, it's starting to recede a little bit. So. You really notice it in uh, Pulp Fiction, and yeah. you really notice and it in Die Twelve Hard. Monkeys, and then Die Hard Two, and then he does the right thing where he just shaves the whole thing off, which yeah. is what everyone which should do. Which is what happened in Die Hard Four. Just yeah. Completely clean shaven, and and there was like there was always memes about that the series, you know. And it's just like if you stack all the posters of Die Hard next to each other, it's just a guy fighting uh, early male baldness. I feel like that's just a funny joke. But uh, this movie is one of regarded as one of the best action films of all time. Uh, directed. Um, oh, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. Directed by. Directed by John McTiernan, one of the greatest action directors of all time. In case you guys didn't know. What else did he do? Uh, Last Action Hero. Last Action Hero. With huh. uh, Kurt Russell, right? I think haven't so. seen it. I heard that it was great too, but like everybody, you know, I'm pretty sure I never heard of this guy before. Actually. No, 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 no. Not Kurt Russell. Way off. Way off. Huh. I was way off. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ooh. Way off. Way, way, way off. I was thinking of uh, the poster. Look at this poster here. It kind of reminds me of um, Big Trouble oh, in Little yes, China. Yes, it's exactly like, it's very similar. Yeah, so actually. Uh, little, I was like, oh, well, maybe that's him. No, I was mistaken. Uh, he's also directed Hunt for Red October. Yeah. Uh, Tom Clancy's book, right? I think so. Um, but most importantly, he did Predator. Well, I guess you could say most importantly he did Die Hard, but he also did Predator. Yeah. Oh, okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. So, yes, he is highly successful at that time. He was highly successful. Yeah, he's one of the top talents for action films in the, uh, 80s, and in the 80s and early 90s, 90s. you'd say. Um, Last Action Hero doesn't have great reviews, um, but it, I, you hear all, I hear it all the time in other podcasts I listen to. Um, people bring it up as the right, their cult film. A lot so. of people have recommended that film to me, but I have not seen it yet. And I like Arnold Schwarzenegger, so I will 
check it out at some point. But yeah, back to Die Hard. Die Hard is considered one of the best action movies of all time, and rightfully so, because my god. Now, the first time I saw this film, actually, uh, was on TV as well. You know, it's, it's a movie that plays on TV all the time because it's such a popular film. But I was in Morocco for a summer and uh, I was left and home. Uh, I was home, oh, home alone. <laughs> We're gonna have to talk about that at some point. Wait, wait why didn't we do any Home Alone episode for, for the uh, holiday season? Home Alone I, 2 would have been perfect. It's weird oh, because we, the three movies we picked for the holiday ones are like films that are like the debated ones. Like exactly. Batman Returns is like the, the cult thing, right? Yeah. It's like, uh, is Pop Tart a ravioli? <laughs> is Die Hard a Christmas movie? <laughs> well, yes. A Pop Tart is a ravioli. <laughs> is Pop Tart a sandwich, though? I. This, I don't know. But water can't be wet. Water can't be wet. That is true. Uh, you know, the, new, the newest thing I saw this week is, is, is an enchilada sushi. It's a roll thing. That's... Well, shouldn't, isn't sushi, like, generally raw? I thought it was raw? fish, right? Yeah, but it wouldn't, wouldn't it be, like, generally raw. And, and sushi, there's, like, sushi that isn't rolled, right? If I'm not mistaken, I mean, there's, like... It's just referring to... Uh, the the you know the consuming of raw food raw fish basically see that's where i was i was like this sushi's like a complete it's not like a it's not yeah, it a thing it's a specific thing yeah uh it's not like um it's uh, how do we describe this it's not as all encompassing as like say something like i guess yeah. a ravioli or a sandwich no it's not um but yeah the three podcasts we picked this year uh are the ones that are not technically considered Christmas movies, but I think we they are. Like people are like, oh, it's a superhero film, it's an action film, and it's a romantic comedy film. Yeah, but, but they're I mean, all they're set also, during Christmas. They're all set during the holiday season. So what what makes a like this holiday movie have to just be about the holidays to be a holiday film? Uh, I think it's just the tone, right? Because you think about uh, you think about Home Alone, right? And the whole thing is like they're going away for Christmas break. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, that's the tone for Die Hard. You know, it's like... That's what I'm saying. He's coming family. home. It's all that, you know? He's coming home for... But also, fun factoid, this film was released in July of 1988. <laughs> so uh, they're definitely vying for the action market, the summer blockbuster yeah, yeah, thingy. Yeah, no, it definitely is a summer blockbuster. I'm pretty sure like it made uh, a shit ton of money. But that doesn't change the fact. I mean, uh, isn't... There's like... There are films. Oh, Bat, the wasn't the Batman movie uh, in November seventeenth or something? No, no, no. The Star Wars holiday special was November seventeenth, even though it's a holiday special. But you can like release films up and leading up to it, right? I guess. Everyone tries. Everyone's trying to get their films out before Thanksgiving now. That is that is true. But that's like, not the case. that wasn't the case in the seventies, though. You know. I guess At not least for the holiday special. When I think of uh, like. Fall movies, it's all like Disney always gets their film out before Thanksgiving, which yeah. happened like every year for like the last as long as I can remember. You have Frozen, Wreck It Ralph, Good Dinosaur. Um, yep. Wreck It Ralph 2, I should be specific. Um, but they always get their films Wasn't out. Was the first Wreck It Ralph also around the same time, or was it a summer? I would assume so. If you told me that, I would believe it. <laughs> um, and then, like, when I think of Christmas movies, they're usually like the Oscar ones. So, like, uh, you're gonna have if Beale this year. You're gonna have if Beale Street can talk. talk, yeah. But that's all. Then it's like, is it limited or is it actually wide? As well, right? Uh, could be before. Could be before. Is Aquaman a holiday film because it's released in December twenty first? <laughs> that is, yeah. That's that's also an interesting. Nah, we're question. not. We're not gonna. Be Either Aquaman way, let's here. let's get back to Die Hard. Um, the film is is an 80s film, even though it doesn't feel that 80s. It wasn't, you know, highly stylized, no uh, new yeah. wave soundtrack, you know, which was very surprising at the time because, like, a lot of the blockbusters that really succeeded at that time were of that nature. And you, know, you like can, Terminator, like, tell. Terminator 2. Oh, well, Terminator, Terminator 2 is, like, right after, but uh, Predator as well. And, yeah, uh, you, can, you like, can still tell it's an 80s movie from the way it's... It's kind of shot, you know? Have you ever seen uh, Thief? No. That's Michael Mann, right? Yeah. yeah. Michael Mann is legendary. In fact, I actually... It's a great poster. It's a very iconic poster. Oh, it is. It's one of the best posters. 
Uh, Michael Mann, great director. One of my favorites, actually. Uh, yeah, as I was saying, uh, Die Hard is shot like an 80s film. I brought up Thief because it's kind of shot like Thief. Not as stylized as Thief, not as good of a soundtrack as Thief, but still you get like those, uh, you know, skyline shots, the, uh, the, the building shots, and, and the nighttime lights, all that. It's, it's fantastic. So, like, in the 90s and early 2000s, you get a lot of artifacts now of you can tell when it was made, right? I think yeah. the only the only real artifact here is, like, the computer system, you know, yeah. when he checks in. Yeah. Um, he checks in, and you're like, okay, that's old as hell. We don't mm-hmm. have these tube monitors that are touchscreens. Exactly. Um, we don't have that anymore. But when you think about it, there is no – the music is very uh, orchestral, and mm-hmm. there's no um, – is there a sense? I don't – I saw this – so I saw this film for the first time in its entirety on uh, Thanksgiving this year. So I'm a few weeks removed of seeing this film, so yeah, I can't... I watched it like a week ago, I think, when we were supposed to yeah, we've been film with the, with the... Yeah, when we were supposed to record that other... But yeah, I watched it then, and yeah, I don't remember any synths, actually. I don't remember any synth music at all in this film, but it, it didn't need that, I don't feel it. it mainly uh, used its its cast and uh, location to further the narrative, which was great. Even though it was just one building, it felt like so many set, so many locations, so many uh, different places. So when the one thing when I was watching this is my cousin was basically introducing it, and he was saying how uh, everything is in the film for a reason. It's very lean. For two hours... And a 13-minute film is very lean because everything matters and everything yeah. is pertinent to it. Um, and one of those things is how... Um, I, I want to talk about more this of the leanness of the script and how everything they say has a relevancy uh, later. But one of those aspects is how uh, the building is laid out. Yeah. So the building is almost... They always have a lot of establishing shots. Mm-hmm. To make you realize where things are, yeah. Um, like when you're introduced into the first uh, the lobby, mm-hmm. you know, okay, well, this is where that is. If you go down the hall, there's elevators, and that's where the action takes place later on. Yeah, when the guards come down and they have to tell uh, the police officers, "Hey, nothing going wrong here," and then the shootout at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is that party level, and yeah. then he the the president dude is it what's the name of the tower the guy who owns it hold on nakatomi nakatomi yes yeah um mr nakatomi is he makes reference like oh we're still under construction and then that's where those next floors take place Mm -hmm. uh it's very um what is it it's very it's methodically plotted and laid out so you know where everything's taking place so even though you know the hostages are below John, who's taking place on the next floor. Should we give a synopsis? I feel like we haven't even given a synopsis. Yeah, we haven't given a synopsis. Let's do it. All right. So the synopsis is John McClane is a police officer in the New York Mm -hmm. City Police. Uh, His wife, Holly, Holly Gennaro. Yeah. She's using her her her, her original name. Exactly. And um, she says it's for professional needs, but it's actually because they're, like, on a hard, rocky relationship Mm -hmm. Her and John, and she's yeah. like moving away from John. John wants to, uh, like, stay in New York. Well, does he? I thought he was like he's he wants to finish up his job in New York. No, no, he want he. That's the that's the point of like at the end he decides to, but that's the point of contention. Basically, he wants to stay in New York because being being a New York cop is all he can do supposedly, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, you know, his his wife uh, at the time, she didn't want to just stay in New York. She found this good business, a job opportunity, and she's going there. At the uh, Nakatomi Tower. At the Nakatomi building, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, that's the conflict, basically. And he's... John McClane wants them to go back to New York. He's returning. He's coming to L.A. on yeah. Christmas Eve, a giant teddy bear, mm-hmm. to win them back, pretty much. Yeah, pretty he much. wants to see his kids, exactly. two kids. Uh, but when he arrives at the Christmas party, uh, he gets taken over by Hans Gruber, who mm-hmm. is... Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, yeah. Serious Black. Or, no, 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 no. Not Serious Black. Snape. Snape. 
Yes. Snape. Um, Sirius Black is Gary Oldman. Yeah. Um, and he, Hans Gruber wants all these bonds held inside of the Nakatomi Tower. Yeah. Um, he makes references to uh, being part of a larger coalition of uh, idealist terrorists, but I don't think he really is a terrorist. No, no. He, he just wants the money. He he's wants, more like he's, into a bank robber, I would yeah, say. Yeah, he's just, uh, he just wants the money, uh, but he's trying to make it seem like uh, there is something more to it. Uh, and that comes again in... in have, uh, do you, did you watch all of the Die Hards? Because I, I have. No, have not. So which but I own one seen? through four. So which ones have you seen? Just the first one. Just the first one. Okay. <laughs> so this is going to be harder to talk about now. Because, yeah, I've seen all of them. And this kind of uh, issue of the enemy, like the, the main villain being interested in the money, uh, comes again in the third movie with Sam Jackson, which is the second best Die Hard film, obviously, easily. It's the one, yeah. It starts off very, very weird. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. You should definitely check it out. Um, yeah, the villain, Hans, Hans Gruber, uh, he's trying to do this uh, terrorism type. He's trying to go for this terrorism uh, vibe. Because vibe. he's making commands that are about like releasing yeah, all yeah. these uh, other coalition groups. to throw them off the, you know, the real thing that he wants, which is the money. And he's trying to like build time so he can yeah. hack into the vault. Yeah, so for, for, for a long time, he doesn't even respond to the... Uh, to the police at all for the for the longest time there wasn't there wasn't any police in the first place it's yeah because he's kept such a, a, yeah. a tight control yeah. and then uh, eventually it slips out because John throws a body yeah off of we're, we've kind of slipped out of the plot synopsis yeah. when we got into details again fine whatever that's fine uh, but John uh, John throws a body off and it alerts one of the police officers and then they have to start firing yeah but yeah John is here in the building to uh, he's caught up trying to um, reset things right with his wife. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, Hans Gruber's taken over. Yeah. And, and he's taken over when John McClane uh, was not in that floor. So he was on some other floor. Yeah. I, he was on, no, he was in the, he was in he's in the hotel room, room or whatever. Yeah, one, of the, one of the rooms or whatever. And he basically tried to, I think, was it he went up to the construction floors after it happened? I think so. Yeah, because I don't think he went down necessarily. And he's the one who, how did he try to contact the cops? It's been, yeah, it's, I watched this like recently, but I'm, I'm forgetting like some of the details actually. Well, he uses the radio, and there's that great line where he's like, uh, I'm not ordering a fucking pizza here. <laughs> I'm trying to alert you because the lady thinks uh, it's, a, it's a hoax when he keeps calling yeah. on the radio. Yeah. Like, this yeah, is a yeah. private line. Yeah, it's a private line. What so he has to throw the body out the window yeah, for the police car. the police to, to actually see that something's happening. And that's one of the funniest... Oh, uh, we're talking about like how, how does John encounter... I think he... Yeah, you encounter someone on like on one of the, the floors or something. No, no, no. I was, saying, I was talking about the, the, how he basically gets the cop to come. He calls in with the radio. But yeah, no, um, that scene where he throws off the guy from the building mm-hmm. uh, and it lands on the police car, uh, the, the policeman's reaction is hilarious. Well, I'd be then, too. You, you, it's your casual <laughs> thing, and then all of a sudden you just get this body on your car. You know what's the best part of the movie? It's like the guy in the, he's in the garage, the guy in the limo. Yeah, and he—it's basically the same as Attack the Block. The kid in the dumpster. The kid in the dumpster. Well, he gets like he gets except his come that, up. Except that the dumpster, you know, like uh, he knows he's in trouble, but like this guy, you know, he doesn't. What's the limo guy? The limo guy is, is something like, with H, who, right? I don't remember his name, Hold on. but he uh, he drives, you know, he drives John uh, McClane from the airport to. Oh, it's uh, Argyle. Remember Ar- Argyle. Argyle. Exactly. Argyle. Not um, with an H. Um, and John is pretty much this cop who's going to one-man army this whole thing and stop uh, the robbers and uh, save everyone. Action hero with no shoes. With no shoes. I have a question about this film. I don't know if you know I'm supposed to know this, but... (laughs) 
The most prepared podcast on the internet. The most, yes. Was this filmed chronologically? Because it kind of feels like it was, at least from John McClane's progression. Why would it not be? It's it's linear. It's linear, but it could be not filmed chronologically. Oh, filmed? Exactly. That's my question. Oh, I don't know. They never do. Productions do things out of order all the time. Generally, yes. But, I mean, it's very impressive if they did this out of order because of just how John McClane's clothes are getting more messed up as time goes by. Oh, they have a person for that. I mean, obviously, they Someone's have Someone's getting paid. To yeah, do yeah, this. yeah, yeah. 100%. The continuity expert's getting paid for this. What yeah. is it? It's uh, not, not continuity expert. It is. Uh, so there's a specific word. The script coordinator or something. They make sure the continuity yeah, is right. Yeah, script coordinator is the, is the one. That's um, generally the one who keeps the continuity going. The point is, um, it was in, you know, it's released in 88, and before this, I haven't seen that much in terms of, like, progression of, of a main character pro- getting progressively more tired and more uh, tattered up. Uh, but in this one, they did a really good job of doing that. And I think a lot of the inspiration for a lot of these broken heroes comes from this guy, John McClane. It's a very influential film, obviously, because it's one of, again, the best action movies, some of the best action scenes. It's a thrill ride from from start to finish. Uh, First time I saw this, I couldn't take my eyes off the TV because it was just so exciting. I just wanted to know what happened next. You know, you really want to know what happens next. I I liked the fact that there is, you know, not complete equal information from either side you know explain elaborate john mcclain doesn't exactly know why the people are doing this and the people don't know who and he doesn't know who the people are and the people oh yeah who john mcclain is originally at the start until what that dumbass uh businessman tries to broker a deal yeah until that guy you know that that piece of trash. Didn't he die? Like, oh, and then I like that. That's where Holly's name comes into it. A great, a great, um, a great um, plot point because it, yeah. it's originally supposed to be for uh, the marriage, and then she uses it as a way to dis- uh, disguise herself and protect John yes. from yes. being like, oh, if we connect the, the fact this is, uh, they know it's John McClane's name after the idiot gives it to him. Yeah. And if they figure out that but it's least, also yeah, Holly McLean, the then they connect each other. Good enough to not say that Holly was. Yeah, but he John. gives up John. Yeah, because he, he gives up John, but he says John's his friend because he doesn't care about John, but he cares about Holly. So he, it kind of seems. And like then they he figure it out what's happening. And then they figure it out from yeah uh, from the picture. I think yeah, the picture. Picture and also uh, some other person, I guess like. And what, what I like about this film is that it's not bogged down by its own premise, right? So a lot of the times in the so action films are usually very narratively simple. They're usually done for, to facilitate action, right? Yeah. But this one is it's it, I think the good action films are ones that like integrate a plot that is not overly complex and yeah. it's just it's facilitating the action scene to a certain degree, but you also care to that narrative level. Um, and you think about something like Mission Impossible Fallout, which I really think is a good action film. Yeah. Um, it has the same thing where it's like, okay, well, the bomb is being they're, – they're trying to stop a nuclear explosion in yeah. that film, right? That's, that's like the, my issue with the film, basically. Oh, you the simplicity of it? No, it's the fact – it's not the simplicity of the plot. Simplicity of the plot is, is, is a positive. It's the plot. It's like it's an end-of-the-world scenario, which is basically every Mission Impossible I know. But this end of the world scenario is just a nuke, and it's not as good as like uh, previous ones where there was like a for Mission Impossible three I think there was like a disease for Mission Impossible four also a disease or something like that. Um, one is isn't the I can't remember. I saw these over the summer. I should yeah. go to. I think one of them is about someone break. Like, it's called Ghost Protocol, and I think they're disavowing. One of them is where they disavow all the agents because I think the list gets leaked or something. Yeah. The list of agents name. But I think with Mission Impossible Fallout is that you understand that it's just a simple, straightforward narrative, right? And mm-hmm. the same thing here is like, okay, they're robbing this thing. John needs to stop them. Yeah. Uh, Ethan Hunt uh, needs to stop this nuclear explosion. And it's it's the action is there, and it's like you have these shootouts or you have these set pieces, and it's 
facilitated by a story that's not weighed down by its complexity. Yeah. And you don't, like, it's there. There is some complexity to it. Because it's towing a line, right? Because you don't want to be dumb. You don't want to be a dumb action film. But you don't want to be an overtly complex, like, spy thriller, right? Like, uh, even though I love Tinker Tailor's Soldier Spy, that movie's just too complex. Uh, You could say the same thing about The Snowman, where it's just, it's so... I don't even know it's complex. That film could just be, it doesn't tell a story at all, like any cohesive manner. Huh. You don't understand what's going on. And it's from the same guy as Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, well, which makes, is insane. That makes sense. No, insane. Because with Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, I honestly did not know what was going on until like the five, last five minutes. I had no idea what was happening. It's all just a five minutes at the end. Yeah, I'm very, things were revealed. I'm very bad with names. So yeah. people will say names, and I don't associate. The name um, of the face. It's for, it's, yeah, I'm associating the face, right? So that's what happens with a lot of um, older Hollywood films is they have a, a set standard of beauty. Yeah. So a lot of the dudes will be wearing suits. <laughs> and, and they look the same. And they all look the same. And I'm like, they're swapping names around. And I'm like, dude, you got to be like, I got to like, I'm ha- sometimes I'll have trouble following these names because I just, I'm like, well, I know the face, but I don't know the name to the face because I've just forgotten. There's like, Six characters, I only know the main one or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So when you have, that's when, that's why like uh, journalism movies, uh, journalism movies are one of the films where you have to like, you have to be focused. Because mm-hmm. if you're not focused, you're going to miss something. Yeah, you can't get the, and then you're going to be like, what, why is so he like, here? Like Zodiac, basically. Zodiac, uh, Spotlight. Um, uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Uh, which one? The new the one? The Fincher. I haven't seen that one in a long time, but I would assume so, yes. Yeah. The new one is not complex. That's, that's, and that's also... the growth in the spider's web, yes. But um, also another merit to the action in this film is it all is very believable, I felt. Yeah, it's like grounded. Nothing was too over the top, which was very, very good. It, feel like, it feels like he's just a very lucky guy. It, was also, it also kind of grounds it into the fact that he is just a New York City cop doing... Yeah. A normal dude doing yeah. action things. Yeah. No, I, no, but what I'm trying to say is like... Which is not like a universal take. I mean, it's not like a, a unique take. It is... I think it's what people like about this film. Is it's just a cop stopping some bad guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, it's a cop stopping some bad guys. But what I'm trying to say is like that cop, you know, he... It looks like he actually is... He could be in trouble in any point in time mm-hmm. in the film. And the fact that he got through it is not just a testament to his skill. It's also... Uh, because of his luck, his unbelievable, not unbelievable, that's the thing, it makes it, his luck is just enough so that it's not unbelievable from the way everything is is shot. Like, for example, all the shootouts, there's at least a little bit of distance between uh, between the two people at all times. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's, you know, just regular police training probably. But the point is, you never have a point where uh, John McClane is about to die and just something, it deus ex machina saves him. I'm trying to think. It's all stuff that, like, he's also, you know, he has to do something to try and avoid it as well. Yeah. So, I'm like, trying when, to think when of ex machina moments getting, in this when he's film. Getting I don't shot, think any. He's just, he, he's getting shot at. It almost, the bullets almost hit him, but he's moving to, to an elevator to leave. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the meanness of the script. I guess because this film, everything has a, a the setup is really good. It takes mm-hmm. about let's see here on the I have it right here in front of me. It takes a while for any action to get going, yeah, right? Because but, not only are the um, we got to get an intro to the character. We got Argyle first. We have that scene, that whole airport him. scene. We have him coming into the building. But even like uh, the bank robbers, right? They're not doing any action. Anything that's all set up, right? Mm-hmm. And they're yeah, they're, they're like they're, professionals. they're like setting up the the board game, right? They're like putting all the pieces in the right place. Um, they make, I think this, one of the best parts of the script is that everything has a, a functional purpose. Mm-hmm. So uh, Mr. Nakatomi mentions about how the building's under construction and we yeah. see uh, later on that it's, that the upper floors are under construction. That's like the shootout areas. That's where John yeah. like hides out for most of it. Uh, there's the part where he talks about the shoes on the airplane where he's like, oh, 
yeah. take off your shoes and do that that scrunching thing and it worked supposedly. it worked and then later on he's like well <laughs> i don't have any fucking shoes i'm <laughs> stepping around on all this glass and yeah. that becomes like a plot point um they oh god what else they, they know like things in the future there's that name thing the whole name conflict comes up later on and everything uh is set up to be delivered later on to have a functional purpose uh which is uh part of the leanness of the script yeah who, who wrote the script is it the same guy no, directing not john mctiernan it is currently steve d de souza steve e de souza and jeb stewart all right so what, what did the guy write other than this uh, currently pulling it up. If I can find it on IMDb, there's so many tabs going up. Let's see. Jeb Stewart, currently, uh, he wrote The Fugitive and uh, the Lock Fugitive, Up. Is that uh, Pierce Brosnan? No, no, no that's oh, the Harrison Ford one. Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah, Harrison Ford. And D'Souza wrote doo, 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 uh, Commando, he wrote Tomb Raider. And that's that was the big which, ones. Which Tomb Raider? Um, Temple of Life. Huh. Oof. Huh. Uh, we'll see. You did Running Man too. And uh, that's that looks like it. The big ones, at least. He's out. He's not like other writing credits, but not the big ones you notice. Hmm. Um, well, then they hit it big with this one, you know. Very well done. Uh, if they studied in film school, it uh, shows that they got their money's worth for the degree. But that's a shame that they didn't do anything. I mean, Commando, I guess, but... For that one guy. Yeah, for that one guy. It is it is a great script, though. Uh, and I, I do like, like the fact that every... There's like a lot of unique characters in this thing, and it doesn't feel like there's too many characters. Because like most of them are facilitated to be like side characters. Yeah. Like you have Argyle, and then you have the sergeant, yeah. uh, Al Powell, who's the guy who has, um, who doesn't, who's like that cop that gets the body thrown in his car, and he yeah. has this conflict of. Uh, oh yeah, he has this other he can't shoot. But what's good is though is that what, shot what you're saying is about all these characters. They all get like even though they're supporting characters, yeah. they all get like their own little payoff, right? Mm-hmm. Even Argyle, who serves as this comic relief, just yeah. waiting in the waiting in the limo for the whole movie, stops the guy getting away in the big truck at the end by crashing mm-hmm. the car into it. Uh, Al Powell stops um, that last terrorist by shooting. Al Powell is the guy who has a. Uh, uh, a history of accidentally shooting a kid with a, yeah, a toy gun. Police brutality. Oh my god. Um, That's what I was thinking when I saw that. Like I've, you know, the last time I saw it was very long time ago. A very long time ago. But, but then I saw it again, you know, recently, and and that stuck out. I did like how they kind of tackled it. You know, it's not the best way to tackle that issue, but I mean, it was. The time. Well, I mean, like for him, it was an accident, right? It's, yeah. It's not yeah. like a Rodney King situation yeah, where yeah. it's really no, no, no. Explicit. It wasn't intentional. That's the thing. So yeah. That's why I did like how they how they dealt with it. It was a really good way to go about it and get some interesting points of view from there. But uh, you know, it's still the inclusion of it into the plot was was it necessary? That's my question. Uh, just, just for him, it's just like his whole own side character thingy. Because then later yeah, on, he it, it saves. Works, yeah, it works because he, he. I guess he shoots. I guess that's the. He thing. shoots the terrorist, and that's like his uh, his arc is that he's um, no longer afraid to, you know. Yeah, and that's act not a Deus, that's not a Deus Ex Machina really, because that's the other terrorist who's shooting like the. the he's not like body. saving anyone. It's just like his character. Yeah. 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 It's not like um, what's a famous Ex Machina moment? Oh, The Matrix. The, Matrix has a couple of them, but like intentionally so, where they just um, out of nowhere, uh, yeah. someone saves them, which is like fine. I guess. Some... <laughs> which part? Finn. I'm trying to think. Leia. Oh uh, well, that's not like ex machina. I feel like when I think of ex machina moment. I think of a that thing is, that is exact. Leia is exactly ex machina. Where she like uses like she, the force. Yeah, she's just like, oh well, this is a thing now. Force 
out of nowhere because before there was no hint to, her, to it. Well, she has ever. force powers. I just wish she didn't have force powers to beat death. She's like literally blown out of a like a yeah. whole bridge. Yeah, so that's into what space. That's, what I'm to, that's the day of sex. She survives right explosion there. and the yeah. harsh realities that's, of that's, space. That's the day of sex machina, right oh. there. When I think of ex machina, I'm like, oh, the character, uh, the script has like, uh, I'm sure yours qualifies. I, when I think of ex machina, I think of specifically as when the script has gone and forced itself into a corner, and then they just said, eh, well, here's. Some random here's some random thing, but I'm sure here's the thing is probably. Yeah, there's this movie called Adaptation. Uh, I've seen it. You've seen it, so you remember this freshman year of film club. They there was a conversation in that film about how Deus Ex Machina's are the worst thing you can put in your script. Because it's it's just like ends with Deus Ex Machina. Perfect. That's like (laughs) ironically aware. It's like also with like. um, See, that's a good way to do it. Well, like the Matrix, it's also. It's like intentional. Like they, it's like um, Neo's the one. Of course, yeah. he can. Uh, well, I just watched. I'm going through the Matrixes right now. I just watched um, Matrix Reload last night. Like, of course, Matrix can or uh, Neo can save Trinity from being shot. Yeah. And like save her. Um, like pull the bullet out of her after she dies and resurrect her because it's just he's the one. Yeah. The third Matrix is the, is the worst though. I wish there was a Deus Ex Machina there. The Wachowski... <laughs> they just ruined... Sisters. The Wachowski yeah. sisters, that is. Yeah. Um, they, uh... They honestly ruined that. Like... Film Twitter really likes them. I, they've I like, gone no, through... I really like the first two. You don't get it. I love the first two. Mm-hmm. And I love the first half of the third one. But even, like, Cloud Atlas and, like, Speed Racer. They're, like, getting their... Um, that they're falling... Starting to get into that second opinion... Um, like, uh, how do I describe it? They're getting into their, um, like, you know when a movie gets, like, critically panned at the start and then they're getting, like, a second wave oh, of cult, cult status? Cult, yeah, cult, cult. Kind of like cult status, but also, like, reevaluating their opinion. Well, I mean, Speed Racer, I can, I can totally see Speed Racer being a cult film. Like, that, yeah, that is a, I haven't seen a it. Definite, definite. That, their, their filmography is one of the things I want to go through. Um, that's, I since, honestly could probably do it over winter break because their filmography is pretty short. I mean, they have Jupiter Ascending, too, though, so... Or, or whatever film, that movie they, they, um, like Film Twitter likes the Wachowskis. I don't see why, to be honest. Like, I see the Matrix. I don't see anything. When we say Film Twitter, like, Film Twitter's so vast, right? Yeah. So it could be, like, a small vocal minority that's saying this. I guess. That's, that's just the impression I get when I when that's you the see. That's yeah, because I'm, I'm very surprised when I, like, I've seen, you know, Wachowski. That's when I, when I started watching movies. Like, The Matrix was one of the big films that I remember seeing. I wish this, I didn't mean to cut you off, I wish this podcast stand would just go up a little higher so I don't have to like lean back over it and I can't lower my chair anymore. You can? Oh, there we go. It was like stuck. Okay, I guess this is fine now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're fine. Continue. The Wachowskis. So, um... Totally yeah, the, related to no, the diary. No, it is. Art. I mean, it's, a, it's an action, action film. film. Yes. Action film. So, we got, we got to the Matrix. Uh, but, the Wachowskis, I mean, Speed, Speed Racer, like, it looks good. I'm not gonna deny that it looks nice. It does look nice. But it's, it's, it's pretty trash. Like narratively speaking, it's it's bad. Uh, that's the thing. It's can't like, formulate opinion because I haven't seen it. Yeah. So that's the thing, kind of with Wachowski's the Wachowski sisters, is that they make good looking movies, but I feel like sometimes the substance is just not there at all. There's all, or it's very, very just overdone for no reason. Oh. Well, for the Matrix, uh, they go really deep. They get like. Biblical in there and making all of these allusions to that's what I'm trying to say. So like that's that's the thing. That's what ruined the third one. Like the first one, it, they started. You know, they gave that like it was it was subtle. It was there, but it was subtle. It wasn't out there. You know, the biblical all even with stuff. The, yeah, even watching the going from Matrix one to two, you notice uh, you notice, notice a shift. Yeah, a shift in. Like there's a simplicity to the first one, right? Mm-hmm. It's I would say the, the first Matrix the is a lightning in a bottle movie. Yeah, where it's like uh, every component is so perfect, right? Timing wise, mm-hmm. when I say timing, I mean like pieces just fall in place. Like acting, casting, set production, everything just adds into it. Maybe not that like you know that early well, Will Smith late nineties was going to be in it. Yeah, wasn't he supposed to be Neo? Yeah. Um, he didn't. He did Wild Wild West instead. What a choice! What a career what choice! A choice. No, 
You know though, Wild Wild West, bad movie, but a good bad movie. To be honest, I've only seen to parts of it. Clear, is that the one with like the spider was, robot? There was, I think so. There was this uh, joke <laughs> in the thing, right, where this guy Gordon, his name is Gordon, he makes a plane, right, and it's like it's 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 you know it's an alternate uh, alternate history thing, you know, just a fake fake history type thing, you know, and the guy makes an airplane. And you know what he calls it? It's like I call them Air Gordons. Like Air Jordans? Yeah. <laughs> that's a line. In that's the, the joke? That's the joke. Kill me. That is a line in the movie. See, that's why it's a good bad movie. Whatever. Uh, Anyways, yeah, the Matrix. Yeah, so, so the Wachowski sisters, as I said, like the Matrix, very good with its, you know, substance. Like it, it has substance, but it doesn't have too much. And it doesn't have. Second one is Speed cryptic racer, a little bit. Too little. Second one, cryptic a little bit, but third one, just too much. Third one was just so much. I'll be able to tell you probably on Friday when I see this film. Man, like... Friday, December 15th, that is. Um, But yeah, back to the film of Die Die Hard. Were we talking about simplicity or were we talking about the characters? The characters characters all have great, you know, development throughout the film. Even the Uh, small ones. Even the small ones, yeah. Uh, the like even you know especially like I was kind of surprised with the Holly Janeiro character like how much time she was given as well like and, and the fact that she's also they, they gave her side of the story too you know mm-hmm. it wasn't just uh, John McClane is, is the person who deserves to be part of the family you know it's like oh this is this is coming from this side and uh, she you know she you have a scene of her talking to the kids saying that he might come mm-hmm. tonight, you know. And, like, uh, this is totally non-sequitur. I was going to go change topic, but um, I'm looking at the film now, and it doesn't, like, John doesn't do anything, like, crazy. Exactly. He's doing, like, it's going back to the point of him being a normal person. When you see him in, like, Mission Impossible Fallout, he's a spy. So he's yeah. jumping out of planes. Mm-hmm. He's, like, uh, flying Hang- helicopters. Hanging from a helicopter. Hanging from a cliff. And hanging from a helicopter. like this. Oh, in the rope scene, yeah. Uh, he's doing, like, crazy stuff. Um, in this one, he's not doing that crazy stuff. Like, remember the table scene where he's under the table and the guy is, like, shooting below? With, yeah. That's just such a cool scene. It's like, mm-hmm. I guess you could say it's that because he's getting closer and closer to the death. Yeah, but it's uh, not It's not that... Uh, biggest set piece is when he drops the C4. Yeah, it can happen, and that's what I, what I like about it. And it's the C- he's not like cheating death no. too badly, right? I mean, yeah, he's he getting is. shot at, but he's but, like. But he's getting shot at, like, without vi- the guy, he doesn't know where he is, actually. So. And he's also getting injured the whole time. It's mm-hmm. not like he's like. How do I describe this? You could say the only way he's cheating death is when the explosion goes off on the top of the floor of the building and then he jumps off with the, the rope. Yeah. But that's yeah. action hero. Yeah, but that's that's action hero. We've sure. we've been bought. We've been led up to believe that at the whole point. I think that led us to to believe that. I mean, it's just that you know that's if that was like that was the craziest moment, and because that was the craziest moment, it's not such a crazy moment. I mean, that's a tame moment. In uh, it's also at like the very end too. So it's yeah. like so it's like the, the culmination. Yeah, everything's gone to this point. Um, and there was one other, uh, I guess, kind of unrealistic jump when he's jumping, like from uh, trying to get into one of the. Oh yeah, sort of yeah. Yeah, but I feel like that's you know that's just a lu- that's kind of luck. You could and you couldn't. To be honest, I but didn't he like, miss the first one? He goes to the second one. Yeah. So it's not like he makes it. He's just exactly. like they're like, you got lucky, so lucky. boy. Yeah. You got lucky, lucky, boy. Which is another merit of the film. Like anytime. You know, he, he survives. It's it's luck, but it's not, like, unbelievable luck, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that could happen. Theoretically, yes. Theoretically. I wouldn't do it. probably die. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't do it. But, I mean, there is a likelihood that you'd survive by catching on to the second one. It uh, can't happen. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what a, Oh, let's talk about the, the, quote, the infamous end scene. We didn't really talk about, like, Hans Gruber as a character either. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber... You know, we, we've already talked about his, like, motivations. Uh, I want to be on the beach earning 20%. Yeah. Great. It's 
my my goal, but you know, I don't want to be legally or illegally obtaining that twenty percent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, he is uh, kind of a great villain. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say kind of a great villain. It's not very declarative. Uh, he's a good villain because he is iconic. I guess this is um, Alan Rickman's like big role that he gets. I think he was doing. Someone told me so. This could be Game of Telephone here. Uh, he was doing theater before this, and then yeah. this is like his big role to get into Hollywood or well, I guess movies. Because then he gets he becomes Snape. Snape. That's like fifteen years later. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a uh, he's like this the German. Yeah, su- supposedly Hans so. Gruber sounds very German. I mean, that's the title. Yeah, his name is German, and uh, but he's not like. You know, he doesn't have a... He's not trying to play a German accent or anything. He's just uh, actually speaking, you know, just, I think, more uh, British-sounding English, you know, rather than German, which is the opposite of... So the villain in the third one is basically his brother. Lame. No, no, it's it's interesting, though. It's Because the third one is just trying to be, like, the first one, but with with Sam Jackson as well. And that's like, uh, those are the three movies, Sam Jackson, I think. Well, now four, five. There's five movies now with Sam Jackson and Bruce Willis. Starts with Die Hard uh, with a Vengeance. uh, And, or, was it a Die Hard with a Vengeance? Yeah, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Uh, Pulp Fiction, Unbreakable, Split, and Glass now. Sam Jackson wasn't in Split. Oh, shit. Yeah, he wasn't in Split. That is true. But Bruce Willis was in Split. I meant, I, for like five seconds. For like five seconds. He was mentioned in Split, though. Uh, at the end? or Yeah, by Bruce Willis, Mr. Glass. Well, yeah, he was in it, though. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Uh, he's just... The villain in this film is... he. Uh, there's nothing more... He's very straightforward. His, yeah, his... his like, like, you could say... Supposed, he's, yeah, he, he wanted to come in just get you know just he wants money and i i mean that is a comment on like like it's very common now it is very common it now. could have been common then i wasn't born in the 80s so i couldn't tell no, you the i'm context. pretty sure like i'm pretty sure it is but you know uh the, the fact of the matter is like a lot of the blockbusters at the time the villain is like a, an evil person you know the embodiment of evil this guy is just a it's professional funny. i mean he he is quote unquote evil but that's not his main thing his main thing is that he wants money he wants money which you say he doesn't care how he gets the money but he just wants money Mm -hmm. and i feel like that his motivations you know are questioned by uh john mcclain when he says oh so you're just in it for the money everybody's in it for the money like uh and and that kind of annoyed alan rickman for a little bit you know how's gruber i guess for just a sec saying but uh, no, there's, it's more complex than that. But the point is, the simplicity of his motivations actually makes the character I feel better mm-hmm. because he knows what he wants, and he's not trying to show that he he's more than just like what he wants to get, you know, money. That's his just primary motivation. Yeah. Um, you see, I, don't, I don't have much to say on on his character. He's just uh, Hans Gruber is a great name. Mm-hmm. Um, the way he throws off, like the way he, you know, functions as a villain, is very professional. True. And just like how he uh, gets rid of the cops, you know, how he talks like his way out of, you know, gives gives them the fake demands and all that to just, just distract it. the cops. Yeah. And then just decides to attack the cops outright because he doesn't give a shit. So, uh, final thoughts on the film? Uh, one of the greatest action films ever made. Easily. One of the greatest uh, Christmas. Oh, yeah, too. One of the greatest, one of the topically relevant things. Mm-hmm. The reason why we, we picked already, it. We've already dis- discussed that it's a Christmas movie at the start of this. We're like 62% believe that it's not. And they're just wrong, unfortunately. Because yeah. it I mean, is. You just got to hate it. just is. I'm sorry. Like, what do you... There's no debate. It's not a question. You know, it's like saying Spider-Man <laughs> Three is not the greatest. Stop! You're just, that was just that's the first one. You had to bring it in. We went 46, <laughs> 48 minutes now. 
going the whole way through. And hey, man, it has to happen. It has to happen. Yeah. People need to get reminded of it until we bring it on, which is going to happen, I think. It might be either the final episode or just one episode in the middle of next quarter. Good God. Um, yeah. Simple action, but also the leanest action. Yeah. The, the most lean, not complex, not mm-hmm. bogged down. Not bogged down. Just simple, but effective. So it's great. It is amazing, yeah. And for that reason, it is our December 24th pick for the UW Film Club podcast. You can find us on Facebook at uh, UW Film Club. Exactly. Or Instagram, Instagram and Twitter. Twitter. Film Club UW. We're on, uh, you can get this podcast on SoundCloud and on Apple Podcasts. And soon, soon to be Spotify. Spotify. By the time this comes out, maybe. We've been recording podcasts. This, you guys may, even, for our listeners, Yeah. Uh, you may be thinking, uh, when is he going to be on Spotify? He keeps saying, uh, we're going to get it on Spotify. And you may be listening to it currently on Spotify. But as of right now, which is December 13th, Mm-hmm. Uh, you, we don't know. We can't tell you yet. It's more complex. I don't have a Spotify account, so I can't easily do it. And it's it's something I'll do over break. We'll figure it out. Okay. Uh, but please uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud. Like, comment, favorite, subscribe. Uh, the, the 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 reviews are the best part. Uh, those are the most important things. Uh, you know. If everyone gives good reviews and everyone's like, oh, these guys clearly know what they're talking about when they actually don't. So (laughs) uh, please do that. New episodes every Monday. We have content on the site. We'll have content going up not only for the podcast for the rest of winter break, but also on the website in terms of reviews. Um, And I think that's it. Uh, Yeah, you just listen to us next week where we will will be talking about while you are sleeping. Uh, Me Undies link. Support the show. Amazon Smile. Blue Apron. Freshly. We Transfer. um, Mac Weldon. uh, What else? Any other ones? Mm. Those are like the big ones. Oh, what's Movement Watches? Movement Watches now, yeah. Oh, uh, Daniel Wellington. It's Daniel Watson. Another watch brand as well. DW, basically. Uh, we don't actually have any of those, but soon to yeah. be. Sponsor us, please. <laughs> um, and that will do it for this episode. We hope you guys have a wonderful uh, winter break. Enjoy the time with your family because school's going to start up and it's going to be very have hectic. A, have a Merry Christmas. You know. Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Yeah, all that. No, but I mean, like, it's just because it's Christmas, Christmas this, episode. This is a Christmas Eve episode, so Merry Christmas to. Put the, the cookies Christmas out for there. Santa. Yep, the cookies out for Santa. Could you imagine Gifts. not having a chimney and believing in Santa? In Santa, your parents been feeding you this notion that Santa comes down the chimney, and you're like, "What the fuck are you talking about? We don't have a chimney. <laughs> Where's the chimney? You're breaking the illusion. You're breaking the game. <laughs> Does he climb through the window? Uh, he has to. No, break, that's breaking entering. entering. So it was calming down his chimney, which... Uh, no, because that's not breaking. That's just entering. Okay. Oh, it's just entering. <laughs> also a crime. Um, that'll do it for us. We're well over time. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.